hello, hello. Hope you're having a great day so far. This is Dan Pierce, and you're listening to the Mentally Fit Podcast. Today, I am really excited to introduce you to our guest. His name is Peter Lazar. He is a licensed clinical social worker out of New York City uh, with offices in New York City and Westchester County. And he's also the vice president of the clinical outreach team at the Freedom Institute in New York City. If you or anyone that you love or know has ever had a problem with addiction, you know that it can be incredibly challenging even on a a regular day, right? But when you crank the stress and the overwhelm and anxiety and uncertainty up to 10 in your life when you have COVID-19 going on, uh, lockdowns happening, family systems, relationships, all these different things are adding so much pressure. And at a certain point, uh, it becomes very hard, right? So today we are talking to Peter Lazar to share some solutions and some tips and strategies for surviving, maintaining your sanity and maintaining your recovery, whatever that means for you. Uh, during these hard times. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Peter is just an amazing wealth of information and an incredible resource for anybody who is going through addiction um, or any professionals out there who work with people uh, who are overcoming addictions. Peter is a great resource and an amazing person to talk to. So I'm excited for our talk today. I hope you are too. And let's get into it. met initially a few years back at one of the conferences in New York City and I was really impressed by the direction you guys had taken by adding dialectical behavior therapy into your program and really focusing heavily on the family component um, because addiction like as you know but not a lot of people outside of the industry know is really a a dysfunction of the family system, which can even be a reflection of the societal system, because the person who's the identified patient who's using drugs and alcohol to cover up whatever they're going through, um, they're not just going through it alone, they're in it in the whole family system. So I think that's a really great component you bring to the picture. Yeah, that's, that's right. And so, you know, um, when I'm on the phone with a potential client, and they're telling me I'm 30 years old, I have a job. I don't need to have my parents there, even though my parents, you know, uh, could be involved with treatment. Why would I want them at, you know, at the uh, uh, at the outset, at the assessment and 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 maybe even during multi uh, at multifamily group? And I tell them, well, you know, if they're looking at you and pointing the finger at you and saying you as the addict are the problem then what we do is we take that spotlight and spread it on the entire system. And in a very non-threatening, non-pathologizing, very supportive way, look at where everybody is part of the issue and everybody is part of the solution. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you take somebody out of the the family system um, or their social group in general, 
And if they do a lot of healing, but you go back to that system afterwards and the system is toxic, your friends and family, you know, they're not on the same page and they still want you to behave. They want you to get better, but they also want you to, you know, not change too much in, in some cases. So that can be a factor that causes relapse. So having everybody involved is really a great way to go. That's right. Um, so for people, I know a lot of times when I bring up DBT, dialectal behavior therapy, people say their first reaction is like, DB what? Dialectal what? It's just, uh, <laughs> for most people, it's a mouthful and it's hard to wrap their brains around. Is there a simple explanation that you can give that describes what DBT is and how it works for addiction recovery? Sure. So the aforementioned four skills are really at the heart of what they're learning, right? Mindfulness, distress, tolerance, emotion regulation, and interpersonal effectiveness, right? And it takes time to learn those skills. And there's a bit of a manualized approach to it, you know? So you're learning one skill at a time. And um, with a good therapist, you're practicing those skills um, over, over time. And because life happens, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to run into situations. Uh, again, I'll refer you back to the uh, the pandemic that we're in that can test your 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 distress, your ability to tolerate distress and be present oh, yeah. in the moment. Right. So, um, so, peop- originally DBT was thought of as the treatment of choice for people with borderline personality disorder, right? So people who have a history of trauma, ruptured attachments at a young age, um, uh, very, very black and white thinkers, right? So dialectic thinking, all or nothing, this way or that way, you always or you never, right? And a lot of people in, uh, what, what we discovered was that not only does that make sense for uh, people with uh, borderline personality disorders? But because a lot of uh, people who suffer from substance use disorders or really any kind of addiction can t- fall into that same um, way of thinking, um, the symptoms may manifest themselves differently because not everybody has borderline personality disorder. But you can make the, uh, the argument that a salient feature of most people who um, have substance use disorders um, have some form of trauma history or ruptured attachment. And so therefore, um, you know, very often what happens is that black and white thinking, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, so dialectical behavior therapy um, teaches those skills to help you with that black and white thinking. I'm an awful human being. I don't deserve to be happy. Nobody loves me. And, and take that sort of to the middle and say, you know what? Uh, I am human and I make choices that are healthy, make choices that are unhealthy. And not everybody's going to like me. And that's okay because there are people who do like me. So, you know, uh, and then of course, the other end of the spectrum is total grandiosity, which we don't have to get into, but you, you see the point is, so DBT mm-hmm. really helps keep, um, uh, bring people into what we call the wise mind, where they're accepting themselves for who they are. They're accepting the, the reality of the world around them, understanding that striving for perfection is a setup for failure. Giving up is obvious failure. And so you can live life somewhere in the middle and be happy. 
Yeah, for sure. I think what from what I understand, one of the core tenets of DBT is coming back to that place of wise mind where we're not denying that the emotional thoughts exist or that they may even have a purpose. Uh, we think the way we think for a reason. Right. It's because we're interpreting situations the way we interpret them. But it's taking those emotional first reactions and then trying to add in, like you said, more gray area what are some in-between thoughts or even some countering thoughts that are more based on logic rather than our initial emotional reaction exactly um and also at the same time uh not not too much logic um because you don't want to cut off right. your gut instincts which come from your emotional states right yeah uh, the challenge with with people who feel very deeply and sometimes uh, and, and people who, um, such as in the case of people with uh, uh, personality disorders, may feel so deeply that they, they often wonder why they can't seem to get a handle on their emotions. And, and so having that, that logical uh, process that DBT offers sort of brings you back to that middle. At the same time, you also want to learn to trust that rainbow of emotions that you have um, because emotions are important, anger, fear, happiness, you know, all of that. Uh, those are sort of barometers for helping you understand where you are at any given moment. So DBT is about maintaining that, that, that balance. Absolutely. And you all, uh, during this whole COVID-19 crisis, you were able to transition from your practice uh, program running in person to running online quite uh, quickly and efficiently. Can you talk to me about those changes and what's been happening and how you've been adjusting? Sure. Um, so when we saw uh, the cases sort of escalating um, in Europe um, and in Asia, um, obviously, being that we, uh, uh, Freedom Institute is located um, at 53rd and Madison, so we're in we're we're in Midtown. We're in the heart of everything, right? Um, yeah. If you ask any New Yorker, they will say that's literally the center of the universe. So, you know, so um, obviously in proximity to JFK, to LaGuardia, to Newark, um, and so therefore we kind of saw the potential for this. Um, uh, uh, situation escalating uh, in in New York, and obviously here we are four weeks later, and it's happened. So yeah. we started talking about, well, what if this was before um, before uh, any uh, states of emergency were declared, and at the time there was no um, New York State uh, waiver or provision for licensed treatment centers such as Freedom Institute to provide telehealth services. So, right. uh, um, you know, kudos to the state for taking action very quickly. Once a state of emergency was declared, uh, or even before that, um, for uh, uh, offering a, uh, a temporary waiver and then eventually a permanent waiver um, for uh, uh, licensed providers to, to offer telehealth services. So uh, naturally the moment that happened, um, we uh, we went into into action mode, and um, boy, the team really worked round the clock to identify what we felt was the most secure online um, uh, uh, telehealth platform. Which is uh, so we went with Zoom, 
and um, none, you know, none of the platforms are perfect, but you know, we were able to make sure that each each session and each meeting had its own code, had its own um, password to get in, that there was a waiting room so we knew who was coming in, uh, and we can uh, and and you've heard of the whole Zoom bombing thing uh, that has not happened with us uh, to date. Uh, but the point is, is that very quickly we were able to move, we were able to um, uh, get everybody trained up. Um, and I'm talking about just from the back office people, finance, compliance, um, you know, all of the people who work behind the scenes. And boy, they worked almost 24 hours a day for, you know, for, for a couple of weeks just to make all this yeah. happen. Letting the clients know what we were planning on doing. Um, letting our referral sources know what we were planning on doing, getting the word out to the public in general, and then boom, you know, on a Monday about three weeks ago, we started doing uh, telehealth services. And um, so far, so good. Uh, we are accepting new clients, of course, and um, we really um, have been able to uh, keep the majority of our clients because they're sheltered in place. Some of them have, you know, are, are, are wanting for things to do. So, you know, why not do some therapy? And that's how that kind of yeah. went down. Yeah. Are you able to help people outside of New York or what's the situation in that? We're still regard? we're still working on that. That's that has not been made totally clear. Um, um, our understanding is. Uh, that the so I've heard that the rules have been relaxed around that, but um, yeah. we're uh, we're waiting on a definitive answer to that. Uh, but the good news is that we are able to provide telehealth services to anyone in New York State, and New York State's a big place, and yeah, you know sure. there aren't uh, you know outside of the um, the um, the metropolitan area, there really aren't a ton of addiction related resources. Um, so uh, we're able to provide if, if people find us online in Buffalo, we can offer them intensive outpatient services. That's great. Yeah, because I know a lot of the most heavily hit areas by uh, the opioid epidemic and other drug epidemics are those small towns in those yeah. areas outside of the city that really don't have access to quality care or the care they need. Right. Yeah. So hopefully uh, so there's, now there's an opportunity for people to avail themselves of those services. Yeah, definitely a big opportunity there. Yeah. So for your clients, for the people that you're working with, what has this transition been like? Because I know from a lot of people that I've been talking to um, who've struggled with, with addiction in the past, being stuck at home and uh, possibly being in a toxic environment with family, having kids and having to work, like all these different situations where the stress has been, you know, cranked up to 10, the uncertainty has been cranked up to 10. Yeah. Um, what, what are you uh, doing to help them? What does therapy look like for people that are overcoming addiction and stuck at home? You know, um, Obviously, they're they're getting the uh, uh, we're offering uh, DBT and relational family therapy, um, and uh, which is I think really good for people who are uh, uh, obviously dealing with um, having to be stuck inside, um, 
if they have family around them, the dynamic um, can sometimes amplify and sometimes it can evolve and sometimes it can devolve. And so DBT and relational family therapy is perfect for people who are who are uh, in quarantine right now because it hits on all of those buttons that are being pressed that were installed, you know, long before they ever found treatment. So, um, uh, and then for people who, uh, who aren't living with anybody, obviously the major issue is, is loneliness. And, yeah, you know, the thing about, about, um, about addiction um, is that this is a disease like any other disease that's progressive, it's chronic, it's certainly potentially fatal. Um, it feeds off of loneliness. It feeds off of isolation, mm. right? So it wants yeah. you away from the people, places, and things that are healthy for you. And, and so um, we're very concerned about all of our clients, particularly the ones who are alone. Um, and so... Um, and so that's that's something that we factor into the discussions, both individually uh, and in group. Nice. Yeah, there's definitely opportunities to work on. Uh, you know, now being stuck with your family is a great time to work on <laughs> your family relationships or your personal relationships. Right. Um, but if you could give one piece of advice to everyone out there who is struggling or overcoming addiction, and is on quarantine what are some tips and tricks or skills what is something somebody can do right now today to improve their situation well so um i'm not shy about the fact that i'm in recovery myself um and so uh with 14 years under my belt you know it's uh it's uh it's still something that i need to work at in terms of making sure that my connections are positive or as positive as can be, you got to learn how to get along with people um, and take care of yourself, which really is the most important piece, right? So just like that old uh, analogy about being on the airplane and if the mask drops, you put it on yourself first so that you can be useful to the people around you. Um, mm. From a from a DBT perspective, um, there's a lot you can do, but I would say probably four things you could do, uh, what we call tip skills, right? T-I-P-P. -P. So one would be actually um, uh, uh, tipping the temperature of your face with cold water to calm down fast, right? So if you find yourself in an accelerated emotional state like anger or anxiety or something like that, hold your breath. Put, a, uh, put your face in a bowl of cold water or hold a cold pack on your eyes and cheeks and hold it there for, for like 30 seconds. And try to keep the water above 50 so you don't get frostbite. But, you know, that really does change um, uh, your emotional states. Intense exercise can be another one. Uh, so engaging in intense exercise, even if it's just for a short while, helps calm down uh, um, the, uh, the central nervous system, right? Anybody who's a jogger will tell you that, you know, jogging releases endorphins, exercise releases endorphins, and it calms you down. Uh, paced breathing yeah. is very important. Breathing deeply into your belly, um, slowing down your breathing, um, uh, 
breathe out more slowly than you breathe in, for example, five seconds in and seven seconds out. And then finally, um, paced muscle, re uh, paired muscle relaxation is also very important. So literally, um, um, uh, pairing muscle relaxation with breathing, relaxation with breathing out, breathing into your belly, deep and tense, uh, deeply tense your, your body muscles, but not so much as to cause a cramp, of course, uh, notice the tension in your body while breathing out, say the word relax in your mind, let go of the tension and notice the difference in, in your body. So, you know, all of these things you could do in your shoebox of an apartment or in your you know, your, your house out in the suburbs um, to take care of yourself because your emotions are going to go up and down. That's just the way, the yeah. way it is right now. Um, and sometimes very quickly. And especially people who have a history of substance use disorders, emotional states can run deeply and quickly. So uh, those, those are four things that could be useful. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I use parts of the tip skill all the time. And again, for anybody listening, uh, tip T-I-P-P -P, stands for temperature, intense exercise, paced breathing and paired muscle relaxation. And those are all parts of dialectical behavior therapy for emotion regulation. And they're just great for overcoming an intense emotion, whatever it may be, anger, sadness, whatever it is, if you need to find your balance and come back to center, the tip skill is a great skill to use. Um, so thank you for walking us through that. Sure. Uh, I also want to make sure we talk about uh, tips and strategies for therapists who are getting adjusted to telehealth, because I know... Uh, in addition to running the Mentally Fit community, we also have a community called Therapist Toolbox, where we've got, uh, I think, a little over 27,000 therapists. And the biggest thing I'm hearing from them is that uh, we don't know where, how to get started with telehealth. Uh, the regulations are confusing. It's hard to engage clients because, you know, they're not face-to-face -face anymore. And there's just a lot of <laughs> struggle when it comes to getting online. Um, so what has been the most useful for you? Like what resources or tips and tricks can you recommend for clinicians who are trying to get their practices online or to grow their practices with telehealth? Sure. Um, so obviously it's important to get the word out in as many listservs and, uh, um, and electronic public venues as possible that you are a telehealth provider. Um, again, I chose Zoom. There are plenty of others. Uh, that you can use. Um, uh, I'm not paid by Zoom, so I should probably say that. Uh, <laughs> and neither is Freedom Institute, but um, that's just the one that we that we chose. So um, getting the word out, uh, I'm making and you know I, just for my own private practice, uh, I'm making as many calls as possible uh, to uh, to my general referral sources and letting them know uh, that I'm available. Um, and um, as far as taking care of yourself, um, I believe the community is very important. Um, uh, having a, uh, having a, uh, a supervisor, a clinical supervisor is very important. I have an excellent one. Um, and also uh, building communities uh, uh, within your spheres among your colleagues. So, um, I'm involved in uh, a couple of 
groups where we use Zoom uh, just to connect with each other and check in. Uh, we do that at Freedom Institute, in fact, uh, twice a week. It's just a check-in. How are you doing? What do you need? What, what, you know, do you need any support? Do you need to vent? Um, you know, so it's important to have have those uh, those resources available. Um, of course, meditation. I love the meditation apps. Uh, I try to use those um, and and incorporate that into my routine. And remember, you know, whether you're in an office or you're at home running your practice, you're running a business. So it's important to have uh, some kind of a routine, some kind of discipline that says, okay, um, this is what my day is going to look like. This is what my week is going to look like. These are the people that I need to reach out to. This is the follow-up that needs to be done. Really try to stay focused on uh, engaging in the business of your practice. Nice. Absolutely. What apps are you loving right now for meditation? Um, well, there's Calm and there's Headspace. Um, and one that I find that's uh, very helpful is called Brainwave, which is almost like um, it's a free app. It's almost like um, like uh, neurofeedback in that it uses binaural tones, which target certain areas of the brain that elicit some kind of a neurological response. So I have used it for and these are like some of these are the actual settings. Um, common relaxation, critical thinking, um, uh, energy shot, uh, things like that. So uh, even pre-workout mood boost, you know, thing, things like that. So it really, and it really does, uh, does uh, uh, help. So, um, in, and it's just these tones that you listen to um, with your headphones on. And, and then of course, if you want, you can play music in the background or they have different sounds like a thunderstorm or waves crashing. And I find it very soothing, especially for my commute when, it, you know, when I was commuting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to check that out. That sounds yeah. really cool. I was aware of headspace and calm, but not brainwaves. Yeah. So I'll yeah. take a look. Awesome. Sure. Thank you. So for anybody um, who needs some extra support and resources for addiction uh, or any therapists who want to connect with you to talk more about Freedom Institute and addiction recovery, where can we send people to connect with you and get access to these support and uh, resources that you guys offer? Sure. Um, so uh, for people who want to reach me at my practice, they can email me at Peter Lazar, L-A-Z-A-R. 1800 at yahoo.com. And for uh, anybody's interested in Freedom Institute services, they can call 212-838-0044. And they can go to freedominstitute.org. We are a not-for-profit. And um, uh, we uh, do our uh, assessments and all of our programming throughout the work week. Uh, when you call, a human being will answer, somebody who actually works at Freedom Institute, and our call screenings are done by a clinician as well as our assessments. Nice. Yeah, that human connection is so needed right now, and um, I know you guys have so many great resources, so I hope if anyone listening is in uh, the New York area or greater New York City area, give them a call, and they will get you hooked up with whatever you need uh, in terms of support, connections, 
Uh, they're just a valuable resource. And Peter is an incredible person from the area. So Peter, thank you so much for coming in to talk today. Really appreciate you giving all this, uh, these tips and tricks and strategies that people can use during these hard times. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate you for having this venue. And I think, you know, I'm sure it's going to reach a lot of people and help a lot of people, especially now. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Peter Lazar. He is just an incredible resource for anyone struggling with addiction, their families, and also the therapists and mental health professionals who work with people that struggle with addiction. So I hope you will reach out to him if you need any support or resources in that area. Uh, I will include a link in the show notes to the Freedom Institute website and contact information for Peter Lazar. And if you aren't already in the Mentally Fit community, we would love to have you there to continue the conversation and just discuss all kinds of topics related to mental health, wellness, and overcoming the challenges that hold us back in life, the challenges that we all face as everyday human beings. So I hope to see you there and talk to you in the Mentally Fit community, and I will see you soon.